Welcome to the Wayside Podcast. I'm Robert Killingsworth. The audio for this episode comes from a sermon that was given during one of our Sunday services. We hope you are encouraged and inspired by today's word. Good morning. The writer Tom Allen reports that um, he once saw a large bowl of red delicious apples at the front of the cafeteria line at Asbury Methodist College. There's a note, large note, under the bowl that read, take only one, please, God is watching. And some prankster had attached a note to a large tray of peanut butter cookies at the other end of the, ta- other end of the line that said, take all you want, God is watching the apples. <laughs> So you, you may or may not be like me, or perhaps it's just really human nature, I think, but I, when I see a, a long list of rules, I have a tendency to push back hoping that the grace of God might trump any tendency the Almighty might have to be watching for each and every time I slip up. But sometimes you read a passage from Holy Scripture and it may seem pretty weighed down with a lot of do's and don'ts. And such is the case with today's epistle lesson from Romans that Susan just read a moment ago. You heard it. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality. Live in harmony. Don't be haughty. Do not repay evil for evil. Live peaceably with all. Never avenge, etc., 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 etc. That's a long list. It'd be hard to get through the day without slipping up on one fabric of this blanket of ethical and moral responsibilities Paul has laid on the Christians in Rome. That is, if, if what one thinks relationship with God is primarily about rule keeping, but it is not. Paul's theology and authentic Christian theology is grounded not in to do or not to do list, but in relationship. Even in this list that Susan just read, we learn that most of Paul's instruction has to do with how we live in relationship. There are plenty of places in the New Testament where Jesus and Paul speak about very specific behavior expected of those who bear the name Christian. However, these are not to be seen as bars over which to leap in order to win God over, but fruit born of a relationship with God. When I sit down and talk to a couple in premarital counseling, I'll tell them that a wedding does not a marriage make. It's one thing to say you want to honor and cherish. It's another altogether to actually do that. The promises made at a wedding service are the inauguration of the formal relationship. What makes one want to honor and cherish is not the rule that you should, but the mutual love you have for one another. So again, that in a sense is what Paul is saying here. If you've chosen to follow Christ, to live within the circle of his love, 
then these actions should begin to naturally flow out of you as the church, the body of Christ in ancient Rome. And of course, what is true for the church in ancient Rome is true for the church today and certainly for our church here at St. Martin's. We are called to faithfully be agents of the kind of moral and ethical behavior that we see Paul describing in today's lesson. How do we do that? Well, it's appropriate that this lesson is offered on what is our kickoff Sunday for so many events, Christian education, youth ministry, children's ministry, new worship opportunities, new and long-time small group gatherings, men of St. Martin's, the Christian life study, along with opportunities to serve within St. Martin's as well as serve the Lord's poor and needy outside of our doors. But all of these are offered, again, not as an avenue to win God's approval, as if we're the good student in the class with the proverbial hand held high. These are offered as a rich buffet from which you're invited to choose to strengthen your relationship with God so that you can do the good work that God has given you to do. Today, we're recognizing our 71st anniversary The very first worship service was held under the leadership of our first rector, Dr. Tom Bagby, and there gathered 250 faithful founders on September 7th, 1952, in what was known at the time as the Hollyfield House. It's now, it's gone now, but it used to live where the Italian restaurant Maggiano's lives now, right down the street. I like to tell those who come to our 101 membership class, that if they're having a special warm and cozy feeling while tucked into a booth over at Maggiano's, it may not be the fruit of a yummy plate of lasagna and a bowl glass of Pinot Noir, but it might very well be the fruit of the Holy Spirit that still hovers around Maggiano's. So leave a good tip. <clears throat> if not there, here. Um, That said, I do believe those who started St. Martin's just over seven decades ago, and many of our members today want to be the kind of church Paul is describing, a serving, loyal, faithful, loving body of believers. I'm not sure, I would bet some of you after a long time together that we have shared, some of you get tired of the rector harping on you to attend more, participate more, give more. But I really do have an agenda. See, I think God wants each of us to be made whole, to be at peace with him and with one another. And I'm convinced, I'm absolutely convinced that the more time you spend in his presence, the more time you're willing to give to him, the more you are willing to sacrifice of your financial resources towards his work, I am absolutely convinced that the more you're willing to do this, the more whole and at peace you will be. And it says it right here in the gospel lesson that Jill just read. If anyone wants to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. The more you lose yourself in Jesus, the more you become who he calls you to be. And frankly, it's who you want to be anyway. 
And every step we take with that cross, every bit of self that is lost in giving our lives to him, better enables us to collectively become the kind of church that God wants us to be. And toward that end, of course, there are a lot of things that make up church and becoming the church God wants us to be and the kind of disciples that he wants us to be. But let me hone in on just two very important ingredients as we kick off another year together and how important they are. The first is trust and the second is hope. Well, I also just jumped over an anniversary, my 16th as your rector, now heading toward my 17th. And it gave me a chance actually a few weeks ago to look at some wonderful letters of welcome I received from many of you when Laura and I were responded to the Lord's call and the call of this wonderful church to move to Houston. I've also taken some time to look back a decade and a half plus at some of the things I tried to convey to you in those early days of my ministry here to see if I've kind of stayed on point, and I hope I have. One of the things I shared at my institution, which is when I was formally installed as your rector, was a story about the time Laura and I guided a tour of pilgrims from my years as a rector in Lafayette, Louisiana. We traveled overseas to some Protestant holy sites throughout England. And one of those days, we zipped over to Windsor Castle just outside of London. This is about halfway into our little pilgrimage and our group of 20 or so that ranged in age from 21 to 89, they were getting a little bit testy. And for the record, the 21-year-old was a lot more testy than the 89-year-old. But it was a chilly morning and everyone was a little bit disheveled in their sweaters and caps and scarves. And, but then something changed. Someone observed that the royal flag had been raised over the castle, which meant a member of the royal family was at Windsor during our tour. And I noticed that once that word got around, everyone's behavior shifted a little bit. The griping was replaced with quiet whispers of excitement. People kind of began to straighten their clothes and make sure they looked okay and be a little bit more attentive, a little nicer to each other. One member of our little group came over and said as she was coming out of the ladies' loo, the ladies' restroom, she looked up and she saw the late queen, Her Majesty Elizabeth, coming down a turret, stop, look out a window, out of that window, at the woman, coming out of the bathroom and offer a little royal wave. I don't think that's what Queen Elizabeth was doing with her time, but if it made her feel better, I'll let it settle in. But here's my point. Uh, once the flag was raised, everyone... Everyone knew that the monarch was in the house and everything changed. They did not change hoping the monarch would come. They changed once they realized that the monarch had moved in, so to speak. And that's the snapshot of the kind of church St. Martin's is for many. Generations of people down to this day who have trusted in the old, old story so much that it has transformed their lives. Many Perhaps most have taken the step of inviting that monarch into their life, but perhaps some, maybe even some of you need to really invite that monarch to move in, in here, into your heart, so that what happens is transformation 
And the result is a raised flag of generosity, of love, of sacrificial giving and service and faith. And that takes trust, a willingness to let go and let the monarch move in and take control. So much has happened in these 71 years. I haven't been here for all of those. I've watched and observed your hard work and the work of the Lord these last 16 plus years. In these last 16 years, we've grown in membership by 20%. Our budget has more than doubled. Our giving to outreach ministries outside our doors has exceeded $40 million with tens of thousands of boots on the ground service in the way of outreach and mission to our city and our state and beyond our nation's borders. We have built the Hope and Healing Center and Institute. Since the fall of 2007, we have conducted 1,010 funerals. But mercifully, we've baptized more, a total of 1,659 baptisms as of last Friday, though there were three more over the weekend. And of course, we vastly changed our campus with two major building projects. This is a wonderful church family, and I love growing and serving alongside you, but don't let us lose point one. When people outside our doors talk about us, when they share stories about St. Martin's, it is really my hope and really my prayer that they do not first and foremost say things like, look at those buildings. Have you heard that choir? As marvelous as our choir is. Aren't you impressed by their pre? What incredible programs and ministries and speakers, et cetera. No, I hope, I hope and pray what they will say first is, if you want to know Jesus, that's where you need to go. Because down there, they really trust in Jesus. And because they trust in Jesus, you know, their love is genuine. They hold fast to what is good. They outdo one another in showing honor. They persevere in prayer. They contribute to the needs of saints. They show hospitality to strangers. They rejoice and weep and live in harmony. My word, it's St. Martin's, 717 Sage Road. That flag is flying because the king is in the house. The people there, they don't act like people in the world. They don't look anything like the world. They're not an echo of the world's chaos. They are a voice that speaks transformation to the chaos of the world. Those people there, because they trust in Jesus, are full of hope. And that's the second ingredient, I believe, will better enable us to grow even more into the church Christ is calling us to be, hope. And God knows our world needs hope now. The first is trust. The second is hope. One of my favorite shows, television shows when I was a kid was MASH. Uh, if you watched it, you know the first commander of the MASH unit that was the basis of this comedy, though there were a lot of important truths in that comedy, was a guy named Henry Blake. Henry was an affable, good-humored guy. He and his crew of medical doctors and staff were stationed only miles away from the front of the fighting between North and South Korea. But despite all that 
horror out there, Henry always seemed to be somewhere else. Whenever there was a break in the action, you could find Henry in his office making lures for fly fishing back home in Vermont. You see, while Henry was there in the middle of that chaos, in the middle of that action, in the middle of that war, he really wasn't there. He was somewhere else. He was in some cold stream in Vermont fly fishing. He was not going to be defined by the world around him, but the hope he had for another world. And that too is a piece of the pie, so to speak, that enables us to be the church our trust in Jesus calls us to be. Despite the odds that are against us, and the odds aren't that good, we are to continue to be the church with a message of hope to the world. Some of you know that Robert Louis Stevenson spent the last years of his life dying in respiratory distress. And despite his persistent coughing and hacking, he maintained his good-humored disposition. And one day his wife came in and she was kind of angry and said in frustration, how can you be so happy in the, in the middle of all this? And he got his strength together and sat up and pointed at all the medications near his bedside and he proclaimed, I am not going to allow my life to be defined by this row of pill bottles that you see before you. He was a prisoner of hope. We Christians are also to be prisoners of hope. Why do humans watch the same movies over and over and over again? Because we know how the stories end and there's comfort in that, particularly if it's a good movie. But our story is more than a movie, right? It's a, it's a whole way of life. We Christians are to live our lives transformed by the trust and hope we gain from Jesus and all he has done for us. In a broken and bruised world, we Christian soldiers don't fight for a victory, we fight from a victory. We know that the answer to the darkness of the world is to trust the monarch enough to let him come in and live in me so that I then can be a voice to the world that says, because of Christ and because of what he has done for me, I too have become a prisoner of trust and hope. So here we are again, folks. Summer vacation's over. We're kicking off another year of programs and ministry and prayer groups and service and mission and outreach. And let me say, if you're, if you're standing on the edge of all this, move in, go a little deeper, maybe jump in headlong. The world does not need less of what Christ comes to bring. It needs more, so much more. Paul's list is a really good one. Read it again. Take it home today. Take your bulletins home today. Read through this list again and again. Meditate on it. Pray on it. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Serve, persevere, contribute, bless, rejoice. How? 
Open your heart to Jesus. Invite the monarch to move in and join the Christians from Rome and the growing number of Christians at St. Martin's who are not part of the problem, but part of the solution, who are not an echo, but a voice, who are, without a doubt, prisoners of trust and prisoners of hope. Well, amen. Thanks for listening. The Wayside Podcast is a ministry of St. Martin's Episcopal Church in Houston, Texas. It was created by Ryan Presley and the Reverend Wesley Arning. It is executive produced by Robert Killingsworth. The theme music was written and recorded by Robert Killingsworth. If you're interested in life at St. Martin's, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at St. Martin's Episcopal Church. Thank you.